Hello and greetings everyone. I'm Pastor Edwin Strickland and I serve as the Senior Pastor of Fellowship of Champions Church International, a worldwide ministry helping people to learn to live out their God-given dreams by walking in love and living by faith. And I get to be your host and your guide for this exciting journey that we're about to take that we call Ed Talk with Pastor Strick. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Ed Talk with Pastor Strick. I am your host, Pastor Strick. And you guys know each time we come together, we do so so that we can blend the realms of knowledge, instruction, faith with real world solutions. Listen, I appreciate you being here. Those of you who have already jumped on, you know what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to help me with a little social media outreach. That's right. I want you to tag your friends. I want you to tag your family members. And I want you to let them know that they need to come over here and check out this podcast. Because whether they are seeking to expand their knowledge base, whether they're just looking to uplift their spirit, or maybe just find some common ground between the practical and the spiritual, then they will be in the right place. Why? Because on Ed Talk with Pastor Strick, that's exactly what we seek to do each and every week. While you are coming in, go ahead and let me know where you are watching from today. I see we've got some people from Texas and Florida and Louisiana in the house. Uh, so I appreciate that. I see we have one of our partners from South Africa on. Uh, and so if you are watching, go ahead and let me know where you are watching from. And also let me know how you are watching. If you're watching on YouTube, just go ahead and hashtag YT in the comment section. And if you're watching on Facebook, go ahead and just hashtag the initials FB. That just gives me an idea of where people are watching, uh, how they are engaging, uh, and where they are showing up from. And so if you'll do that for me, uh, I'd be most appreciative. I see we've got some people from uh, Central Arkansas. I see I got somebody from Mississippi. I uh, got a couple of people I see. Okay, Detroit, Michigan's in the house. All right, Detroit, uh, nice to see you. If you are a first-time a first time listener uh, to the podcast, Ed Talk with Pastor Strick, I want to take this opportunity to formally welcome you. Thank you for uh, taking time out of your day to stop by, whether you uh, found me on Facebook or Instagram or YouTube or someone sent you a link. Uh, I appreciate you being here. I believe this is uh, not by accident, but I believe something will be said or done today that will give you a boost, uh, give you a boost in an area that can help propel you uh, into greatness and into the things that you have been called to do in this life. I have a couple of announcements that I do want to make before we uh, jump right into today's teaching, uh, just to make sure that you are aware. Uh, again, once again, I do ask if you can to help me out with a little social media outreach. Uh, all you have to do is just tag your friends and family and let them know, hey, Ed Talk is live. Come on, get over here. Uh, we're coming to learn something together so that we can all improve. And then also, if you want to interact with me, if you want to uh, he, you know, see some of the things I share during the week, you can do that on my personal Facebook page. Or even more importantly, you can go to YouTube. If you go to YouTube and you type or you go to your web browser and you type in www.pastorstrict.com, 
it will take you directly to my YouTube page where you will be able to see all of the podcasts, uh, not just from season three, but from season two and from season one. Uh, if you need to catch up on some of the podcasts, if some of the titles interest you, if you go to that uh, YouTube page, you can simply click on those titles. Uh, it'll give you a summary of what the podcast is about. And if it's something you're interested in, then click and listen. Uh, and if you like it, then give me a review. Let me know how it helped you or how it changed your thinking on a particular area. Now, if you engage with several different pod podcasts and you engage from different platforms, uh, maybe YouTube is not your thing, then we've made it easy for you. All you have to do is go to www.pastorstrictpodcast.com. That's one word. Uh, it's pastorstrictpodcast.com. And when you get to that landing page, it will give you the opportunity to select whichever platform you want to listen to the podcast on. If you if you like listening to it on Apple, that's fine. Google, iHeartRadio, Spotify, whatever your listening pleasure is, if you go to pastorstrictpodcast.com, it will take you to that landing page and you will be able to go and listen to the podcast any way that you like. Also, we always stream Ed Talk from our personal page, from our professional page, and from our Fellowship of Champions Church International Facebook page. So however you would like to interact, that would be great. Good afternoon, uh, Angela. So good to see you. Thank you for being on. Uh, see you down in Pine Bluff. I appreciate you taking time out of your day to hop on here. And for all of you who have done that, to all the visitors, uh, first time visitors or repeat visitors, thank you all for being here on today. Listen, let's jump into what we're going to be talking about today. Now, listen, if you were with me two weeks ago, we started a new series and that series was called Build Better, Build Better. And everything we're talking about over the next four podcasts is centered around what can we do, what practices can we participate in to build our lives up so that they better align with our dreams and our desires. And so two weeks ago, we started talking about building better habits. If you were here two weeks ago and you listened to the Build Better Habit podcast, or if you listened to it uh, within the last two weeks, the Build Better podcast, let me just have you put a one in the comment section. Just put a one in the comment section. If you were here two weeks ago, and you listen to that Build Better podcast, or if you've listened to it since then, uh, just put a one in the comment. I just want to see who had a chance to listen to it, because what we're going to do today is really just build on that concept. We're going to build on this idea of how do we build better. And two weeks ago, we talked about building better habits. And today we're going to be talking about building better focus, building better Focus. Why do we want to build better focus? Because once you've done the work to build the habits, now you need to do the work so that you make sure that you're not distracted. Because if you're distracted, then your execution towards your goals, towards your dreams, towards your desires, all of those things end up getting muddied in the dirt. They end up getting muddied down and you can't uh, seem to execute on all these wonderful ideas that you have. And so today we're going to be talking about how to build better focus. Now, when we talked last, when we talked two weeks ago about building better habits, we said a couple of things, and I'll recap them just because I want them to 
connect with what we're talking about here. We said that, first of all, if we're going to build better habits, we had to change our identity. We had to identify differently than what we currently identify, or we wouldn't have any stick to itness with the things we said we wanted to do that were new. And so we talked about the role that identity plays in building better habits. Well, the same thing is true where focus is concerned. We're going to have to make sure we have the right identity because whatever you identify as is what your behavior is going to follow. I'll say that again. Whatever you identify as is what your behavior is going to follow. And then we just gave you a couple little tips about the science behind habit formation. And we talked about the fact that if you were going to develop a new habit, that you needed something called a cue, right? We use the example. We talked about putting your running shoes by the door. So at least when you see those running shoes, you know you're supposed to be running at some portion of that day. And then we talked about making have a craving that, that we do things because biologically we have a craving to do them. We see a cue and then we have a craving. Uh, we talked about how that works with potato chips, right? <laughs> you see a bag of Lay's potato chips, that's your cue. Oh, those taste good. Now, all of a sudden, when you didn't have a craving for it, now you have a craving for those potato chips, right? Well, we want to do the same kinds of things where we're creating new habits. We want to have a cue. We want to have a craving. And then number three, we said we wanted to make sure that we had the proper response. I don't just want to see my shoes by the front door. I, I don't want to just have a desire to run. I now have to put uh, feet to the fire, right? I have to have a response, an appropriate response. I have to actually put the shoes on and I actually have to go out and run. And then lastly, we said we have to build in some type of reward system because when we build in that reward system, it rewards us for having the proper response. It rewards us for having the proper craving and it, re and it, re it rewards us for having the proper cue. And so those things are important because they create what we call a feedback loop, a feedback loop. It means I saw a cue, I had a craving, I had the proper response, I got a reward. And so therefore, I just keep going in that circle. And before you know it, I didn't build up the proper habit. A lot of that is going to work with building better focus as well. It's a little bit different of a nuance, but it works pretty much the same way. And then lastly, when we were talking about building better habits, I gave you four laws, four laws that you needed to think about so that you could ingratiate yourself with these new habits. Number one, we said you got to make it obvious. You got to make this new habit obvious. It's got to be something that's obvious to you, it's something that you that you that you do and that you want to do and, it's, and you need to do it. It's got to be obvious. And then we said you also had to make the new habit attractive. Because if it wasn't attractive to you, it's not something that you would keep doing, especially, especially when it becomes harder to do and in the moments when you don't want to do it, in the moments where you don't feel like it, in the moments where you're thinking, oh, I could just do something else. You have to make it attractive and then you have to make it easy. And when we say make it easy, we weren't talking about the task itself, but we are saying I got to make it easy for myself to do it. Like I don't need to have my running shoes all the way upstairs in the back of my closet, because if my running shoes are upstairs in the back of my closet, it's much more easier for me to just say, well, I don't feel like walking upstairs. I don't feel like going to get them. But if they're right down there by the door, if they're right downstairs by the door, I make it easier for me to interact with that habit. And the more I interact with that habit, 
the more uh, that habit becomes something that is functional or formed in my life. And I find myself doing it more and more and more and more. And then lastly, we said we had to make it satisfying. We had to make it satisfying. You got to create those habits and you got to find reasons. You got to find the whys for why this thing is satisfying. Um, you know, if, if running is not your thing, and we used that as an example last two weeks ago, if running is not your thing, and, but you know you need to run, you need to move your body, then you got to find a bigger why than just the running for itself. Maybe you want to be in better health. Maybe you want to lose weight. Maybe you want to get into a dress for a particular event. Maybe you want to look a certain way when you go on vacation. You got to have something that satisfies you for why you are doing what you are doing. All right. And so that's what we talked about last week when we talked about building better habits. Today, we're going to be talking about building a better focus. Why do you need better focus? Because people who are focused have a knack for execution. What do I mean by execution? I mean, they actually do the things necessary to get things done that lead them to their desired dreams and outcomes. A lot of people plan, a lot of people think, a lot of people even write stuff down on paper, but not a lot of people are really good at execution. And research has shown us that people who aren't good at execution typically have poor focus. And we're going to talk about what focus means and what that looks like for you. And I'm going to give you a couple of things that you can do this week, and then I'm going to get out your way. I'm going to get out your way and give you a chance to actually practice better focus. Now, all of you know, we live in a world that is super duper fast paced, right? It's super duper fast paced, it is filled with distractions. And I am telling you that because we live in this type of environment, the ability to focus has become more valuable than ever. Your ability to focus and to get the right things done. See, there's a lot of people getting stuff done, but it's not always the right thing. And we're talking about getting the right thing done so that it can lead you to execution so that you can get your dreams, desires and goals met in a supernatural uh, way that you've never done it before. So listen, whether you're looking to excel in your personal life, whether you're looking to deepen your knowledge base and your learning, or whether you just want to enjoy some personal pursuits with greater fulfillment. If you can master the art of building better focus, I am telling you that it can open up new doors to success in your life. It can open up new satisfaction that you never knew you had. And I'm going to debunk some myths that people have about focus because there's a whole lot of stuff out there that we've even said to ourselves that goes counterintuitive to the research. Now, this teaching that I'm going to do today on this podcast is not just about teaching you to eliminate distractions, okay? When a lot of people think about focus, that's what they think about. They think about how do I eliminate uh, distractions out of my life? But this teaching is actually more about learning to cultivate a deep, enduring capacity for concentration that can withstand the challenges of modern day life. Because the reality of it is all of us have probably got ready to do something and then our phone rang or we got a message 
or we even picked up our phone to do something and then we got a notification from another app and then here we are 15 20 minutes later doing something else but not the thing we intended to do i know that that's happened if that's ever happened to you if you've ever gotten distracted even just that quickly i want you to go ahead and put a three in the comment section go ahead and put a three in the comment section because i am telling you there are so many things pulling at us there are so many things drawing for our attention that if we aren't careful if we aren't uh sure Things will grab our attention so fast that we will be an hour later trying to remember the main thing that we were supposed to be doing. And so this teaching isn't just about eliminating uh, those distractions. It's about you actually learning how to cultivate concentration. We'll talk about what that looks like. Now, what we're going to do through a blend of uncovering some scientific insights, uh, I'm going to provide for you some practical strategies. And then we're going to dive into some personal exploration so that you can learn how to harness the cognitive abilities that you already possess so that you can manage your environment better, so that you can navigate your emotions, so that you can maintain a sharp, practical and effective focus in any environment you find yourself in. That's what we're going to do today. We're going to begin by debunking some common myths about focus and multitasking. I'm gonna to talk to you a little bit about how you set the stage for a clearer understanding of what true concentration looks like and how you can harness it. Even today, starting today, as soon as this podcast is over, how you can harness that concentration and become more focused so that you can begin to execute more effectively. So let's begin by understanding what focus is. Let's define it. You know, I love to start with a definition so that we're all on the same page. Here is what focus is. <laughs> Karen put a bunch of threes. Listen, she's not the only one. We've all done it. We've all done it. We, you, you, you start to do something and something else grabs your attention. And we don't realize because we don't actually track it how many times that happens to us through the course of the day. And the reason that's important is because we all only have 24 hours in the day. And if we spend most of our time being distracted doing other things, but not the main thing, then we end up at the end of the day having done a lot of things, but not a lot of the right things. All right. And so let's talk about then what focus is. Focus refers to the mental process, okay, of concentrating one's attention or one's efforts, watch this, on a specific task, activity, or thought while excluding other irrelevant information or stimuli. So a lot of times people think that they're focused, but they're actually not focused because what's happening is, is they are literally allowing external irrelevant information or stimuli to rob them of their time, okay? To rob them of their time. Now, why is this important? Because focus is crucial for productivity. Focus is crucial for new learning and focus is crucial for efficient performance of tasks that need to be completed. That's why focus is important. You find people and people talk about having adult ADHD and it's a real thing. Adult ADHD is a real thing, but focus is a skill. And if anything is a skill, then it can be learned. And if it can be learned, and this is what we talked about a few weeks ago, it can be mastered. 
So you can learn to master the skill of focus. And if you learn to master the skill of focus, what it's going to do for you personally is increase your productivity. If you increase your productivity, you in essence give yourself back time. It is the most valuable resource that we have. There, We won't get any more time. We don't ever get any more of it. Okay. And so if you learn to focus, then what you learn to do is to get back that time. Also, if you learn to focus, you learn to learn things at a deeper level. And, and, and you don't have to take as much time to learn them if you learn the skill of focus. And then when you begin to implement tasks and do the things necessary for your dreams and desires, you get them done more efficiently. Again, if you get them done more efficiently, you give yourself back time. Now, what does focus do? Focus enables us to efficiently process information. It allows us to efficiently make decisions and it allows us to make progress toward our goals so that we can thereby enhance both our personal and even our professional lives. Why is that important? Because right now, focus is an often undervalued foundational skill when it comes to the art of execution. And I told you a couple of weeks ago, we were going to combine this idea of focus and execution. Most people don't get the things done they want to get done. And the time frame they want to get it done is because they allow that external irrelevant information or irrelevant, or irrelevant stimuli to cause them to be focused on the wrong thing rather than the right thing. And when I say the wrong thing, I don't mean a bad thing. I don't mean that they're, you know, doing something illegal. They're doing something immoral. I just mean that you're supposed to be um, doing a checkup for your goals or you're supposed to be working on your second quarter budget. And what you do when you pick up your phone and get on your computer is you end up getting distracted and you're on Facebook for 30 minutes or you're on TikTok for an hour or you get engaged in a discussion about something you actually don't even have any control over, uh, like whether Beyonce's new uh a country album is worth listening to. And, and while those may be worthwhile discussions, they're not when you have other things you should be doing. And so we want to talk about this idea of focus and why it's so important. Before we do that, we have to debunk some common misconceptions about focus. Okay. We have some common misconceptions about focus. I'm going to give you three of them. So if you're taking notes, you can take this down. Here's misconception number one. And this is all research backed. Now, this is not anyone making this up. Okay, here are some common misconceptions about focus. Number one, people believe that multitasking enhances their productivity. Let me tell you, they could not be more wrong. <laughs> we have told ourselves that multitasking makes us more productive because then we don't have to worry about learning how to be focused. The reality is, is that contrary to popular belief, multitasking actually significantly diminishes focus. In fact, it leads to decreased productivity and increased errors because the brain is forced to switch between different tasks using different parts of the brain constantly. Now, the idea that you can do four or five things at one time is true. 
But you have to ask yourself, how well did you do all four or five of those things simultaneously? And most people, if they're honest, they may get four or five things done, but those four or five things are probably none of them are done to the highest quality they could have been done. And then you include the errors and then you include the rework. And now what you have done is exactly what we talked about earlier. You have robbed yourself of time. Anytime you have to rework, anytime you have to do something over, anytime you make a mistake and have to go back and fix it, you are taking away uh, time in order to do that. Multitasking almost inevitably leads to rework. And so one of the myths that we have to debunk is this idea that I can do five and six things at one time. The reality of it is if you learn time management skills and you learn some of the things we're going to talk about today, you're going to learn how to focus on a specific individual task. And you're going to be able to do that task at a, at a higher level. You're going to be, do it, be able to do it with more efficiency and more productivity. And as a result, you're going to buy yourself some time because remember, we said that focus refers to the mental process, right, of concentrating one's attention or efforts on what? A specific task, not a bunch of tasks, but a specific task or activity or thought while excluding all the other irrelevant information or stimuli that comes your way. OK, so myth number one, multitasking enhances productivity. That's a myth. It's not true. Number two. Longer hours equal more focus. In reality, the quality of focus tends to diminish over, the over time. It actually is better if you begin to use short, intense periods of concentration and you use them in uh, an effective manner rather than working for long periods of time. This happens to a lot of kids uh, when they first go to college, um, they we call it cramming. But what they're really trying to do is they're trying to study lots of material in a short period of time for a long time. And as a result of that, their brain doesn't function properly to retain and hold that information. You're actually better off if you learn to structure your time, structure your learning, structure whatever new endeavor you're involved in by spending really specific quality amounts of time in short bursts, giving yourself a break afterwards and then coming back to it. It gives your brain the opportunity to not only learn the information, but your prefrontal cortex of, of your brain actually begins to store that information into the short-term memory and then transfers it to long-term memory. And so it's just better for you. OK, this idea that, that you know, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to read and, and learn how to do something in two days. And I'm going to read the entire 800 page book in two days. That's just not an effective way to develop focus. Somebody says, why do we need to learn how to do this? Because it's going to help you learn to execute better. And if you don't learn to execute, you can have the best dreams, the best desires and the best plans. And you never, ever get to live in them because you don't get to execute them. You have very, very poor execution skills. Why? Because you lack focus. And research has shown us that. Uh, psychology has shown us that. But yet we still push the industrialized concept that multitasking is better and working longer hours is better. Well, who is it better for? Who is that really better for? And so we have to ask ourselves, 
is this better because the corporation wants this and that's where I learned it? Or is it really better for me? Because what I have to learn to do is I have to learn to be focused so that I can execute better. All right. Number three, my third myth. The third myth is that some people just can't focus. Okay. Some people just can't focus. That is a myth. As I told you before, ADHD and adult ADHD is real. I believe in the diagnosis. I, I, I don't discount that. But what I'm telling you is that focus is a skill. And if it's a skill, it can be learned. And if it can be learned, then it can be mastered. And so while it's true that many individuals vary in their natural ability to concentrate, focus is a skill that can be improved upon with practice and with the right strategies. And so if focus can be improved upon with practice and the right strategies, regardless to how I come into this knowledge, regardless to how I come into this teaching, I have to say to myself, I can improve my focus. In fact, if you're listening to this podcast live right now, go ahead and type that in the comment section. Say, I can learn to improve my focus. Okay. Yes, Tracy, you are absolutely correct. Multitasking is a required skill in most jobs. She says they are killing people, forcing this on them. And that is the reason that people uh, actually end up having, in the corporate space anyway, end up having to have so many meetings. You have to have so many meetings because really people are trying to multitask and do all of these different things. And there's so many errors and so many miscommunication that is happening. It is difficult for people to actually, here's that word again, execute on the strategies and the principles that they say they want to execute on. Okay. And so those are those three myths that we have to be aware of. And again, they are multitasking enhances productivity. No, it does not. Longer hours equal more focus. No, it does not. And some people just can't focus. That is not true. It is a skill and it can be learned. Now, how do we know this? Because there is some science behind focus. Okay. There is science behind focus. Focus involves several key cognitive functions. When I say cognitive functions, I'm talking about the way your brain works, the way your uh, brain is wired, how it sends information, how it stores information, how it retrieves information. There is a science behind focus, okay? And focus involves these three things. Number one, when we talk about focus, we're talking about attention, okay? We're talking about attention. We're also talking about something called executive function. And we'll talk about what that means. Executive function. And then three, we're talking about working memory. Okay. We're talking about working memory. All of these things are impacted. Okay. By those three myths we just talked about. So when we talk about the science of focus, we have to understand what attention is. Okay. And here is what attention is. Attention is simply the ability to select and concentrate on relevant stimuli. Okay. That's what attention is. When people talk about being, you know, and people laugh and they make jokes sometimes and they don't mean in a bad way, but people talk about how attention to detail I am. Uh, and it is true. It is true because I am somewhat naturally wired that way. But I have also spent years honing this skill. And the truth of the matter is, is I have a succinct ability 
to select and then concentrate on a very specific topic while I'm able to ignore other stimuli that's happening outside of that specific, that specific thing. And so when we talk about attention, uh, that's what we're talking about. Focus involves attention. It is your ability to be able to select and concentrate on the relevant stimuli as opposed to being pulled in multiple directions because of all of the irrelevant stimuli. I say it like this, people who lack attention are like the child who has his favorite toy, but then someone else brings another toy into the room. It's not their favorite toy, but it's another toy. And because it's another toy, their attention goes to that which is new or that new thing that's been reintroduced into their environment, even though they had the favorite thing to begin with. And if that is the case and you don't learn to deal with your ability to garner attention and to have that kind of cognitive function, then you will get distracted by all of the different stimuli that's in the environment especially if you're an entrepreneur, especially if you are uh, someone who is a nurse, a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher, uh, uh, then what happens is you have all of these goals and dreams and things to get done, but there's so much other stimuli that pulls at you and you actually show up as being ineffective rather than being effective, okay? So focus involved, I said three key cognitive functions. The first one is attention. The second one is something we call executive function, something you may not be uh, aware of, at least in these terms, executive function. Executive function is considered to be the planning, the decision making, and uh, your ability uh, to cast away irrelevant information or responses, okay? That's what executive function is. Something happens, okay? I have the ability to decide I'm going to focus on this project or this task right now while I'm functioning on this, while I'm, while I'm, while I'm looking at this particular task, right? Then I have the ability to plan and make decisions on that particular task while I'm disregarding any irrelevant information that comes up about something else not involved in that task, okay? I call it like this. It's your ability to hinder bird walking. It's your ability to hinder bird walking. Because when you bird walk, okay, your brain hears something of relevance. And then you think a thought that's different than that. And then you follow that thought. And then that thought thinks a thought that's different than the thought that you thought that doesn't go with the thought you were thinking. And then you follow that. And so executive function is a skill that allows you to stay in the planning process. It allows you to stay in the planning process. Why do you need to stay in the planning process? Because again, it aids you in your ability to execute. And then the third thing, when we talk about the science of focus and these cognitive functions that are necessary, we talk about attention, executive function. And the third thing is something we call working memory. But what is working memory? It is your ability to temporarily hold on to and manipulate information that is important, okay? Yes, the squirrel, exactly, Courtney, the squirrel. It's, the, it's that squirrel mentality. You see something shiny and you chase after it, okay? Even though it's not important, 
Okay, a squirrel can literally have a nut in his hand. That nut is designed to save his life. He's going to eat it. He's going to store it. And something shiny will go by. He will drop the nut and chase the shiny object. Why? We don't want to have a squirrel mentality. We want to be able to focus, have attention, executive function, and working memory. I want the ability to temporarily hold on to whatever information that I am synthesizing and to keep it so that I'm not forgetting it because I'm thinking about somebody else. Okay. And all of those things kind of happen simultaneously in our prefrontal cortex, okay? That part of our brain plays a crucial role in managing these processes. Yes, Tracy, exactly. It is FOMO. It is the fear of missing out. It is the fear of missing out. And, 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 and that's exactly what happens when you get on your phone or on your computer or on your tablet and you make the decision you know, you may sit down and say, it happened to me the other day. I sat down and I was like, okay, I need to plan out what I'm going to eat for the next seven days. Okay. I'm focused. I'm looking at certain menus of items that I want to include in my weekly plan of eating. And as I'm doing it, I see a reel about a guy who was grilling. Well, I don't grill, but I was fascinated by how he was grilling. So I started watching him grill. And then after I watched him grill, then you know what came up next because that algorithm would get you every time somebody else came up and was grilling something. And I had to catch myself and say, grilling is not what we're doing this week. Go back to developing your menu for the next seven days. Okay. And, that, and, 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 and it happens to all of us. But as we practice this skill, we get better at it. And the better we get at focus, the more time we save ourselves, the more time we save ourselves, the more time we have to do other things we enjoy doing and still be productive because we're hitting the art of execution because we learned how to be focused. Okay. Now, that prefrontal cortex I was talking about, it plays a crucial role in us being able to manage all of these processes, attention, executive function, and working memory. It enables us to be able to maintain attention on our goals and to resist all the distractions this modern world has for us. In essence, they form the basis of our ability to execute. They form the basis of our ability to execute. But as we all know, there are barriers to focus, okay? There are barriers to focus. And we're going to talk about those barriers because they are both internal and some are external. And we're going to talk about what these barriers are because if we are aware of them, then we know how to overcome them. Focus is so important because it is a crucial part of goal attainment. Okay. If you got, I talk all the times. I'm in 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 season one. We use a term called BHAG. It was a big, hairy, audacious goal. We said everybody in life ought to have a BHAG. What is your big, hairy, audacious goal? What is the thing that you that you want to achieve? Uh, and you want to achieve it so much that that you think about it, you dream about it. Uh, it's always coming up. It doesn't it doesn't leave you. It's the one thing if you could do it, you would be so proud of yourself for being able to do it. And so in order to do that, we have to have that kind of focus. Right. Focus directly impacts goal achievement because it enables us to maintain our attention on specific objectives effectively utilizing the resources that we have at our disposal at our disposal and it persists in the face of challenges 
That's why focus is important. It lets me put my attention, and we talked about what attention was, it lets me put my attention on specific objectives, okay? What are the objectives that I need to have in my life in order to accomplish the BHAG in my life, okay? And then what are the resources that I have around me or what are the resources that I have around me who could connect me to other resources so that I can then use those resources to guide me toward my big, hairy, audacious goals. And then because life is going to life and the pathway to greatness is not paved with ease, I know I'm going to have some troubles. I know I'm going to encounter some setbacks. There are going to be some pitfalls in my life. And so focus allows me to be able to persist in the face of those challenges so that I don't give up I don't cave in and I don't quit just because it gets difficult. I learn how to persevere and keep going toward my big, hairy, audacious goal because I've mastered the skill of focus, being able to pay attention to the relevant stimuli that is directed toward the outcome that I need to have in order to strategize and reach this particular objective, okay? But we come against things. Things come against us. And so let's talk about what some of those things are. We know that there are barriers in our life. Let's talk about some of these external barriers. What are some external barriers that come against us when we are trying to focus? I said it before. I made, um, I made examples of it. But number one, technology. Technology is great. Technology is wonderful. But technology is a tool. And if you don't use that tool appropriately, then it can be a very dangerous thing. I remember years ago, people used to say, Facebook is breaking up so many marriages. And I would say, no, it isn't. Facebook has never broke up a marriage. People on Facebook using it inappropriately may have broken up their marriage. But Facebook itself has never knocked on anyone's door and said, hey, I want to do something wrong to you. I want to do something bad to you. So social media, technology of any kind, can be a distraction. Notifications, emails, or other digital interruptions can fragment our attention and reduce the depth of our focus. It is up to you and I to manage that. We have to manage that. You know, uh, I, I realized that during the summer, I was spending way too much time on social media. And you know how I managed it? I simply went to my phone and told my phone how many hours I was allowed to be on social media each week. And if I got to that on Wednesday, then I had to be off of it for the rest of the week. You know what it started making me do? It started making me manage. Because if I wanted to be on social media every day a little bit, then I had to manage how much time I was on it. And so you have to manage that external distraction because they're going to exist. Technology is there. It's not going away. And so you have to learn how to manage it effectively. And then the second thing we'll talk about with external distractions is the environment we create. The environment we create. Anytime that you're in a noisy or chaotic environment, it can disrupt concentration. And I know people say, oh, I study better when there's a lot of noise going on. I study better when, when I got the music playing. Or I do this when I do this and I do this. You may have learned to do that. But the truth of the matter is, the more calm your environment is, the more your brain doesn't have to filter out all of that external stimuli, and it can use all that power and energy for the thing that you're focused on. 
You also need to make sure that your personal workspace is organized. I know people think that my personal workspace is organized just because I'm type A, concrete, sequential. But the truth of the matter is a disorganized workspace, even though you may be able to work in it, even though you may know where everything is in it, is not the most conducive environment for you to focus according to the research. According to the research. You don't like the research? You don't like the research. But research has shown us that personal spaces, workspaces, living spaces, those places that are free of clutter, they can lead to having far less sensory overload, thereby reducing your ability to have to focus on the overloaded stimuli and giving you the ability to focus on the task at hand. And that's just the truth. Now, let's talk about some internal distractions because, because technology and environment is external. That's what external. But let's talk about some internal distractions, okay? Here's an internal distraction that happens, something we call mind wandering. Mind wandering it is the tendency for thoughts to drift away from the task at hand to unrelated topics. And because of that, they impact your ability to focus. People spend a lot of time daydreaming when they haven't practiced the skill of focus because your mind starts to get bored and starts to think about other things. And then as a result, you end up fluttering off to do other things as to opposed to the thing you sat down to do. So you got to be careful about mind wandering. You have to be a, you have to pay attention when you're doing it. Sometimes people aren't even aware that they're doing it because they haven't practiced staying focused for 10 or 15 or 25 minutes at a time on a singular task and objective. But we're going to talk about how you can do that. Another internal distraction that a lot of people encounter is their emotions. Your emotions, strong emotions, hear me out, whether positive or negative, can dominate cognitive resources and detract you from the ability to concentrate. Of course, we all know that stress, anxiety, and even excitement or overexcitement can, call you, can cause you uh, to have poor focus or impair your focus. So improving focus actually needs strategy. If you're going to improve your focus, you got to have some strategy. And I'm going to give you some strategies that address both internal and external barriers so that you can be able to start the skill building of how to be focused. Because you don't want to just build these new habits and then you don't even have the ability to stay focused on the task that's going to get you to the next level. So let me give you some practical steps for better focus. You know, I'm going to give you something practical every time we come together. I'm going to give you some practical steps for better focus. Number one, the first thing you need to learn to do is to prioritize your task and to set goals. I know people don't like it. I know it sounds so nerdy, so tedious, but I'm telling you, clearly defining what you need to accomplish each and every day and then setting specific measurable goals will help you direct your focus toward the most important task. I talked to you, uh, I think it was in season two, about something using uh, the Eisenhower box, uh, where you create a grid, okay? You create a grid on a piece of paper and you divide it uh, horizontally uh, and, and, and vertically. And you have four boxes and you ask yourself, what is important, okay? And, uh, and what, what you ask yourself these questions about what's important and has to be done, okay? 
is, is it necessary? Okay. And then you ask yourself other questions like, is it necessary? It has to be done right now. Does it have to be done right now, but it's not very important? Or is it not important and it doesn't have to be done right now? And you put your task in those different boxes. You put it in that Eisenhower box. Some people call it a priority matrix. Okay. It helps you prioritize your task based on urgency and importance, allowing you to focus on what truly matters. And it, and it really does help you. It really does help you because if you're not careful, what will dominate most of your time are those things that are urgent but not important. That's what will dominate most of your time. Things that are urgent, but they're not that important. And what I've, what, what I've learned to master in my life is spending most of my time on the things that are both important and urgent. Those are the things I get done first. Okay. I don't care how, um, how heavy the task is. I do them first because when I do them first, it gives me a sense of accomplishment of being done. Okay. Then it gives me time because I didn't just have it looming over my head. How many of you know that there are things you need to get done and you've been saying you need to get it done for a week? For a week, you've been saying, I need to clean that closet out. For a week, you've been saying, I need to take these clothes to Goodwill and get them out the back of my car. For a week, you've been saying, I really need to clean those leaves out of the garage. For a week, you've been saying, I really need to make the time to go get my oil changed. Okay, Those things are important, and they may be urgent to you. And if they are, you have to ask yourself, why do you keep putting them off? You keep putting them off because naturally, we tend to gravitate toward those things that are urgent but they're not important. So we get things done, but they actually aren't important toward our goals and our dreams and our desires and our destiny. So we gotta make sure that we're prioritizing those tasks every single day, if you wanna learn to focus. And making a list does help you, whether you do it digitally or you write it down. I'm a writer, I like to write it down because when I write it down, it helps to reinforce the importance of it up here in my cognitive abilities. Number two, you need to use a focus-based time management technique. What do I mean by a focus-based time management technique? There are lots of them out there. You can find them. The one that I use is I give myself an amount of time to work on a task. For instance, when I we were in D.C. Uh, this past weekend, and I needed to complete my notes for today. I had worked on them. I had put some things together, uh, but they weren't in the form that I wanted them. And so I gave myself 30 minutes to work on my notes. And in that 30 minutes, I put my phone down. I didn't have my tablet. I didn't have my, my headphones in. And I just gave myself 30 minutes to focus on my notes. I set a timer on my watch. When my watch went off, I stopped working on my notes. And then I gave myself a 10-minute break. Now, this is a technique that people use. Uh, school teachers use it all the time. Uh, they use a timer in their class. Okay, uh, an egg timer. If you ever seen one of those egg timers where you turn, you set the dial, you say, okay, I want everybody to work focus for 10 minutes, no talking, just focus and work in 10 minutes. When 10 minutes is up, we take a break, we stand up, we take a brain break. What does that do? That gives my brain the opportunity now to take all of the learning that I was doing, the deep learning that I was doing, to take it from short-term memory and to process that back to long-term memory. OK, and you sometimes you have to work in this method uh, for several different sequences, depending on the task you're working on. I tell people anytime that you're working more than 15 to 30 minutes, you need a 10 minute break. OK, 
And then after that, if you've done that for four times or more, okay, let's say you got a two hour window where you're working on something. You're working for 15 or 20 minutes. You need to give yourself a five or 10 minute break. You come back, you focus for another 20 minutes. You need to give yourself a five or 10 minute break. It is a proven, it's, it's been proven in research that these focus-based time management techniques help us to be able to synthesize really complex and deep information in a short period of time with great retention. Okay. And so that's the second thing you got to do. That's a strategy for building better focus. I use a focus time-based management technique. I study, I take a break. I study, I take a break. I don't try to go for two straight hours studying something because in between there, your brain, if you don't give it a break, it's going to take the break. And the way your brain is going to take the break is it's going to start going through the motions of reading. It's going to start going through the motions of comprehending. It's going to start to bird walk. It's going to start to be like that squirrel that Courtney talked about. It's going to start to chase other things. So you have to give yourself that break. If you want to learn to be a focused person so that you can improve your execution, then you have to make sure that you are doing that. Now, let's talk about the third thing you can do, which I think more people actually need to do it more often. You need to implement regular digital detox. You need to implement regular digital detox. What do I mean? You need to set aside some specific time during the day when you can disconnect from your digital device, especially social media and email. I don't mean you have to get off of social media. I ain't telling you not to check email, but you ought to have some sustained time during the day where you do not have your phone in your hand and your face in your phone or computer. You need to have that time. This can involve a designated hour where you work without checking your phone or using apps or a time where you block access uh, from distracting websites during work hours. Reducing digital interruptions help you, help you to train your brain to stay focused on tasks without seeking the instant gratification of things like social media and messaging apps. I'm a firm believer it is why, if you do the research, you will see that the attention span of people age 16 in 2024 is vastly different than the attention span of people in 1984. Why? Because social media has been created and they've grown up in it. Those who are 16 now, they've grown up with that would always have an access to this digital imprint. And as a result, it is reducing their ability to focus for longer periods of time. Don't believe me? Ask a college professor. As a college professor uh, who's been teaching the last 10 years, many of them, their frustration is in their students' inability to sit for even 50 minutes without picking up their phone, without looking under their desk, without responding to a text message, because they need the instant gratification of what that brings. So if you want to learn to build better focus, I'm encouraging you to set aside some time each day and decide how much it's going to be, but you need to implement regular digital detoxes, okay? And then number four, you need to learn to control your workspace, okay? I talked about earlier, you don't need to have your workspace, whatever that is, wherever you work, wherever you concentrate, that doesn't need to be a place that's chaotic. 
It needs to be a place that's organized. It needs to be a place that's, cl that's clutter-free. It needs to be a place that's clean. Uh, it needs to be a place that is free of distraction. Uh, you know, if, if you're in a place and you can't do that, get you some noise-canceling headphones that you can put on to at least create a, a quiet environment for you to be able to work in. You know, not only does the um, environment need to be free of distractions uh, verbally, but it also needs to be free of distractions physically. Your physical organization of your space is important because it mirrors your um, mental state, your ability uh, to get things done. If you can do these things, then there are some benefits to come to being to, be, to having better focus. And we'll close with these benefits. First of all, it enhances your productivity and efficiency. Why do you need enhanced productivity and efficiency? I told you, you get time back. You get time back. When you learn to become more productive and more efficient, it gives you an opportunity to actually be more creative, to become more creative, which is the second thing because it enhances your creativity and problem solving. When you have more time, and you're not rushed and you're not under a deadline and you're not having to rework and do work over because you were trying to multitask when you were trying to put these five and six things together. And when you wrote the email, you were trying to talk on the phone and write the email at the same time and you put the wrong date or the wrong time. And now you got to go back to each and every person and you got to try to tell them and get that wrong information back and hope that everybody gets the right information. Right. When you can save yourself of that time by becoming more productive and more efficient, then you can have more time for creativity and more problem solving. And when you have more time for creativity and problem solving, especially if you're like an entrepreneur or you're running a business or you're doing something that, that involves you being the visionary for it, then it gives you the ability to, to think more strategically. You're not thinking in terms of, I just gotta get this task done. Now you have time to sit and to think, and to think as a visionary, as opposed to a person who's just trying to solve the next problem that has arisen, okay? Number three, that also allows you to have deeper learning and deeper skill acquisition. We talk in our church about going further faster, going further faster. You can go further faster with focus. When you learn to have a deep embedded skill attainment for focus, it helps you to learn at a deeper level. And the deeper you learn, the better you become at that skill acquisition, being able to execute what it is you've learned so that you can grow the business, so that you can uh, grow the relationship, so that you can make the next career move, so that you can make the right investment, so you can be the right kind of parent, so you can be the right kind of friend. Whatever you're learning to do, it allows you to learn it at a deeper level. One of the things that we often don't talk about with better focus is this idea of improved mental health and well-being. Improved mental health and well-being. There are some people who are so stressed and they haven't learned how to focus and that's why their mind races and it seems like they make poor decisions or they feel so anxious all the time or they're depressed all the time. And that is the reason why. Nadia, uh, Ms. Washington says, my recruiter and other sergeants just talked about this with me. She said, there are a lot of high school kids with ADHD, depression, or low attention, and it's hard for them to recruit them. Absolutely. It makes it difficult for them to even be in the workplace. 
And that's the absolute truth. The absolute truth. Uh, Dexter says yesterday we watched a show on the Architectural Design Channel where a famous musician and his wife showed us their home. Every piece of art was selected to inspire creativity. No TV, no computers. You know, there's research that talks about, um, you know, whether or not people should have uh, computers. Uh, I mean, I mean, TVs any place where they study. Whether they and I know kids have them in their rooms. You know, growing up, you know, we had a, I think we had a TV in our room at some point. Uh, now almost every kid has a TV in their room and a computer in a place where they're studying. And there's research out that it says that as a result of that, kids are being diagnosed at least with higher forms of ADHD. Uh, their attention spans are much shorter. And then as a result, uh, they don't always make very good students and sometimes they struggle in school. But I'm telling you, the benefits of focus extend beyond the tangible achievements that we've talked about into this idea of having improved mental health. Uh, I know that Pastor Nitra does a teaching every Thursday about minding your mental health. And one of the things that 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 she's talked about in, in there is this idea of, of, of mindset. And mindset is so important. If you don't have the right mindset, even when it comes to focus and getting tasks done and being able to execute, it can build up all these other kind of emotions, these internal emotions that then impact even to a greater degree our ability to focus, which impacts our ability to execute. Okay. And then lastly, we'll finish with this one. Here's another benefit of improve, of building better focus. You are able to strengthen your resilience and you are able to reach your goals. Focus is a critical driver of resiliency. And we'll talk about resiliency at some point as we talk about build better. Because we've talked about build better habits. Today we talked about building better focus. And then next week I'm going to ask you to join me as we, uh, well, actually it's going to be uh, on March the 5th. On March the 5th, I'm going to ask you to join me in two weeks uh, as we begin to talk about how to build better swagger. So what is that? We want to talk about how do we take these idea of building better habits, building better focus, combining it so that when we show up, okay, whether it's for a job interview, whether it's for a promotion, whether it's for a relationship, how do we show up as our best self? How do we build that? Uh, and we'll begin to talk about that uh, in two weeks. So I'm going to ask you to join me on March 5th uh, as we do that. Listen, those of you who hung in there, I appreciate that. I'm right at an hour. I'm going to stop. Listen, this idea of building better focus, I encourage you to go back and listen to this podcast when you get a chance. Maybe when you're driving, go back and listen to the benefits uh, of better focus. Go back and listen to uh, the, pra the practical strategies that we need to employ. Go back and listen to those misconceptions that we talked about. Uh, and then go back and, and listen to about the science of it. What happens when we focus and how that's connected to building better habits. Listen, I appreciate you guys for joining. I have been your host on today on this podcast. This is season three, episode two, where we've talked about building better focus, building better focus. And I'll see you guys in two weeks on March the 5th as we talk about building better swagger. I appreciate you for being here. I want you to have a great day and whatever you do, be safe and do something great to improve your life. Have a great day.